And welcome back to Bengal Bites, your home for real, raw, unfiltered talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL. I'm your host, Derek. This is episode 15. This is the week five recap episode. Yeah, that's more like it. Cincinnati Bengals go on the road to face the Arizona Cardinals. Both teams were 1-3 going into this game. Joe Burrow said this is a must-win game, so everybody on the team, all the players and coaches, had to agree with him. Must-win game for the Bengals. Cardinals, also 1-3, also very hungry for a win. They weren't necessarily calling this game a must-win game. This is, expectations were different for both these teams. But in this episode, we'll break down everything interesting that happened before, during, and after this Bengals win. We'll examine all the key moments and crucial decisions by the players and coaches that led to this 34-20 victory over the Arizona Cardinals in Scottsdale. Before we get into this episode, this is a reminder that this show is not sponsored by anyone or anything. If I were sponsored by anyone, I would be getting these episodes published a lot sooner after the game. I know that's the peak interest time for listeners and fans of the team is, you know, within the first 24 hours of the game, that's when everybody wants to talk about it. It's the 24-hour media cycle that most people are conditioned to be in. And then after 24 hours, people kind of out of sight, out of mind. They forget about it. They move on with the rest of their life. So the interest for podcasts isn't as high, you know, if it's beyond that 24-hour window, which I'm fine with. Like, I have other things going on in my life. I know it's amazing. So I'm not doing these podcasts for money. If you want to send me money, that's cool too. But, you know, I'm just doing this for fun, for you. I'm trying to make this for myself, something I would want to listen to and not just spit out my first in instant reaction and not actually take any time to think about what actually was interesting. You know, I'm not trying to compete with any other podcasts or make it like anything else. I'm just trying to think of what was actually interesting to me. And it's hopefully that will be interesting to you as well. Plus doing all this podcasting by myself is a lot of work and I'm a big procrastinator. So the idea of, okay, I got to do all this work to make this podcast by myself. You know, it takes, it takes me some energy to build up <laughs> enough to do all the work. So I appreciate those podcast shows who are putting out podcasts on a regular basis. I didn't realize it was so much work. So kudos to those guys. You know, all procrastinators know Wikipedia is a great place to procrastinate. And this podcast, it's a one-man podcast operation for right now. I'm just by myself. Kind of like, I didn't even know this. I've been listening to Foo Fighters for decades now and I didn't even realize that the first Foo Fighters album was just Dave Grohl recorded all the instruments, all the vocals by himself pretty much in a week and put out 15 songs on the first album, had like one other person do some backing guitar work, but it was mostly just Dave Grohl, you know, after Nirvana broke up, he was the drummer for Nirvana, hugely popular band with Kurt Cobain. And after that, a lot of people probably expected Dave Grohl to be the drummer for a new band or join another band. But he was like, ah, you know, I think I'd rather do something different. So he put all that together. For some reason, I got to that because I was looking at Wolfgang Van Halen's Wikipedia page. Apparently, he is also doing a solo project of his own in a similar sort of fashion to the Foo Fighters. But if you know of Van Halen, he's the son of Eddie Van Halen and Valerie Bertinelli. And so he was, you know, Eddie Van Halen was a virtuoso guitar player, founded Van Halen for, and passed away not too long ago, but his son played in the band 
in the 2000s. He played the bass. So obviously a talented musician himself. Apparently Wolfgang has his own solo career now. It's Mammoth WVH. I don't know anything about this. Apparently I'm going to have to check him out because he was nominated for some Grammy Awards. A couple of the singles off of his debut album have been nominated for Grammy. So if anybody out there knows anything about Wolfgang Van Halen, should I listen to this guy? What do you think? Let me know. Anyway, he is opening for Metallica. So Wolfgang Van Halen is opening for Metallica. And Metallica from Wikipedia also let me know that they recorded Master of Puppets almost completely in darkness because they recorded it in Denmark in the fall. And they started at like 7 p.m., went till 4 in the morning. So it's completely dark because in Denmark it's like Arctic Circle you know, dark completely all day during the wintertime. So anyway, Metallica is playing this year at State Farm Stadium. Wolfgang is going to be there to open for them at State Farm in Arizona. Yeah, right. That I will get into it. So we're going to Arizona, State Farm Stadium. That's where the Bengals and the Cardinals play. Also, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have played at the stadium for the Fiesta Bowl in college. When they were at LSU, they played in the Fiesta Bowl, which is also at State Farm Stadium every year. And Joe Burrow seems to thrive in these type of dome stadiums. When he was in college, they played at the Superdome in New Orleans, I think. And in the college playoffs, all those games are inside domes in Atlanta, New Orleans, in the South, in enclosed environments where... There's no wind, there's no rain, there's no elements that are going to impact Joe Burrow's ability to throw. It's a lot more like arena football, where if you remember Kurt Warner for the St. Louis Rams at the time, they were, you know, the greatest show on turf. And part of that is because they were always, most of the time, playing inside, where you can throw and have those kind of timing routes. It's much more consistent inside, where you grip on the ball, throwing and catching, all those type of skills just go up a notch of what you can do when you're inside versus outside where the ball could be slick, the wind could take the ball and move it where you don't want it to be. So these types of environments for a player like Joe Burrow, who doesn't have the strongest arm, who doesn't have the biggest hands, so he's not able to perform you know, always that consistently in adverse weather climates. So this is going to be a good, you know, for Jamar Chase, I don't think the weather really affects him too much at all. He's not a cold weather guy by nature. You know, he's from the South, but cold weather, rain, sleet, snow. I think Jamar Chase is pretty much going to be the best player on the field, no matter what the conditions are. And that's just one difference about Jamar Chase from Joe Burrow. I say Joe Burrow is the most valuable player on the Bengals. And obviously because of the contract that he just signed, that proves his value to the team. But Jamar Chase is the best best player from a football skill standpoint. He's so good at so many different things. He's one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL. You know, he's at the top. He's If he keeps up his season the way he's been going, he's going to be Pro Bowl for sure, maybe even all pro. But he's at the top of his game just from a football playing skill standpoint. That's why you saw Chad Johnson wore his number one chase jersey before the Monday Night Football Ring of Honor game. During the pregame, Chad was out there with a chase jersey on. You know, no offense to T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or any of those other receivers, but, you know, Chad was wearing a chase jersey for a reason because he's in a class all by himself. You know, those other guys are good, but Chase is kind of 
out there by himself, kind of like how, you know, TJ Hushman and Zada and Chad Henry were good receivers for the Bengals while Chad was there. You know, Chad was Chad. And Darnay Scott back in the day, you know, and Carl Pickens, like those two guys, Darnay Scott was a good player who had a lot of good games for the Bengals, but Carl Pickens was on another level. That's what Jamar Chase is like right now. The rest of the guys are good. Jamar Chase is outstanding. And going into this game, that was one of the things we were concerned about was whether or not Jamar was going to have anybody like T. Higgins out there on the field with him. T. Higgins has that fractured rib, so he was uncertain, questionable whether or not he was going to be able to play. He ended up being out for this game, along with Cheetah Bay Awize was also out. Cheeto injured his back during practice at some point during the week, so we'll have to keep an eye on that, but he wasn't able to play in this game. Another guy who had showed up on the injury report with a back injury was Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end, who's been playing at a very high level for the Bengals this season. He was questionable heading into this game, and that was a big thing to watch was whether or not he was going to play because if he couldn't have played, then it was going to be a big blow to the defense. But luckily, Trey was able to play, and he had some big plays in this game. One thing, I mean, that's a big trade. If you look at a couple years ago, the Bengals basically swapped out Carl Lawson for Trey Hendrickson in free agency. They let Carl Lawson go, and he, he signed with the Jets. And the Bengals signed Trey Hendrickson from the Saints in free agency. Similar contracts with what Carl Lawson got and what Trey Hendrickson got. So a lot of fans at the time were saying, well, why didn't the Bengals just keep Carl Lawson? We, we already know him. We're familiar with him. He knows the system already. He's good. Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. In this week five game, Carl Lawson for the Jets was a healthy scratch. He was inactive, did not play, even though he was not injured. The Bengals got out on the better side of that. It wasn't a trade, but it, like it was just kind of a player swap of choosing the right player. So Bengals maybe have made a lot of player position mistakes in the past, but that was one they definitely got right completely. Trey Hendrickson, home run, 100%. But with... T and Cheeto out, that meant that the Bengals were going to have to rely on Trenton Irwin and Andre Yosivash, the receivers, and also they called up Kwame Lasseter II from the practice squad to be active as the sixth receiver, emergency receiver for the game. They only have five active receivers on the active roster, so they called up Kwame Lasseter. If you remember the name, it's a pretty unique name, Kwame Lasseter. His father, Kwame Lasseter I, played for the Cardinals out in Arizona in the late 90s and early 2000s. Passed away of a heart attack a few years ago, but it was kind of cool that Kwame Lasseter, who grew up in Arizona, his first game for the Bengals being active this season was in Arizona. And with Cheeto being out, he's the starting cornerback, so that meant we're also going to see more DJ Turner, the rookie from Michigan, second-round pick. And he'd played pretty well so far in this season when he had gotten into the game. He'd been subbing in and out with Cheeto and gotten some reps here and there, but this is going to be the first game starting full-time for him. Getting into this game itself, I don't know if the Bengals won the opening kickoff, but they, they ended up receiving the second half, so the Bengals kicked off first to the Cardinals. Cardinals got the ball first. They came out, nice run play, five yards on first down. Then second down, Cardinals tried to do a naked bootleg with Josh Dobbs, but Josh Dobbs just kind of stood there frozen and didn't throw the ball. And Dax Hill, as we've seen in previous games, Dax Hill's got the speed. When he sees, when Dax Hill diagnoses what's going on in the play, he does not hesitate to show that speed and flash and attack up on the quarterback. And 
when he was trying to do that to Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson was, you know, just a freak athlete where he just ducked out of the way of Dak Silling and was able to scramble and evade and make plays. Josh Dobbs is not Lamar Jackson, so he got eaten up real quickly by Dax Hill, Trey Hendrickson, and a bunch of other guys. But Mark Sanchez was immediately all over him. You know, he, Mark Sanchez played 10 years in the league, so he was the commentator on this game. He was like, yeah, you know, Josh Dobbs can't take a sack there, got to throw the ball away. So that pretty much killed their drive from the start because they had third and 13 after that long sack on second down. Josh Dobbs threw an incomplete pass over the middle to Hollywood Brown on third and th- 13. It was kind of a high wobbler pass, fell incomplete. So the Bengals' defense forced a three and out on the first drive. Great start, something they had not been able to do in their other games. Previously, they had let teams drive the ball all the way down and score a touchdown on their opening drives and were immediately playing from behind in a lot of their games. So the fact that they were able to get a stop, keep zero points on the board, and give the ball back to their offense immediately was a great sign in this game to start. For the Cardinals, it was kind of a sign of things to come also because in previous games, Josh Dobbs had looked really good, 70% passing completion rate and he had been able to run around a lot but somehow coach Lou you know the defensive coordinator for the Bengals came up with some kind of a plan he ran a lot of dime and I don't even know what you would call it with seven defensive backs on the field it's like dime is six defensive backs they had seven defensive backs on the field at once where there was one play where they had three defensive linemen one linebacker seven defensive backs so they had all kinds of different schemes and blitzes to stop Josh Dobbs today When the Bengals took over on their first drive of the game, it was very clinical and methodical, efficient drive, almost like the Ravens' first drive they had against the Bengals where they just drove it down and scored a touchdown. Bengals had an 11-play, 64-yard drive to open the game, which ended in a touchdown, and it took off six minutes off the clock. So the thing that was interesting about this was they drove it all the way down the field and never got to third down until they were already on the two-yard line. So it was just like... 9 yards, 8 yards, 13 yards, 8 yards, 13 yards. No negative plays for the most part, but just a lot of... Joe Burrow was 7-for-7 passing. Joe Burrow hit Trenton Irwin on two passes within the first four plays of the game. So Trenton Irwin caught a 9-yard pass. They had an 8-yard pass to Jamar Chase on the left sideline, just a quick out. Another pass over the middle to Trenton Irwin where he just fought... He just found a soft spot in the Cardinals' zone. Cardinals were playing a lot of zone defense because they didn't have the athletes, the defensive backs, to match up man-to-man with people like Jamar Chase and even Trenton Irwin. So they had to play more zone. So Trenton Irwin is great at just finding those spots in the zone, finding those little empty areas to sit and let Joe Burrow hit him with the ball. So that's what Joe Burrow did. He just sliced and diced all the way down the field. And it's good play design. You know, these are the scripted plays that the Bengals have been practicing all week. So you'd expect them to be efficient on the first drive. But the most interesting play on this was the touchdown where the Bengals got it to the two-yard line. And it looked almost like it was an improvised scramble play where Jamar Chase was running on the back of the end zone. And it didn't look like he was open. And then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow threw it back across the left side of the field and Jamar Chase just was suddenly open. It kind of looked like the play against the 49ers a year or two ago. Yeah, two years ago in the when they were getting ready to go to the Super Bowl where Joe Burrow was flushed out of the pocket, scrambled to his right, and Jamar Chase did the scramble drill, saw Joe Burrow scrambling, and Joe Burrow threw it before Jamar even turned back to the right, but he threw it to the space where Jamar Chase was going to be, and Jamar Chase you know, turned, planted his foot, 
did a 180, came back to the ball. This was like that, but it was a design play. If you look at the next-gen stats dots, so I tweeted this out, or uh, what do you call it, an X post, whatever it is. Ben Baby is on there. He tweets out the next-gen stats dots all the time, but the dots, basically, they just show you the overhead view of where the players are moving. Their GPS, all the players wear GPS trackers in their pads so that they can track their speed and direction and wherever they are on the field during every play in this play you can see from the overhead it took a lot of time to develop that's one of the other things that was obvious from this game was Joe Burrow was holding onto the ball just a little bit longer and the offensive line was blocking maybe better than it had in previous weeks the Cardinals you know they don't have a, a stud pass rush they don't have anybody like Miles Garrett or Jeffrey Simmons or Aaron Donald is just going to blow up the Bengals offensive line. So Joe Burrow had more time to kind of sit back there, take his time, find who was going to be open. And on this play, Joe Burrow bought time. He took a little bit of a, a step to the right just to buy a little bit of an extra time. Not that he was under pressure, but it was kind of an intentional step to the right. Jamar Chase was lined up in the left slot. He ran kind of a, a, a not a slant, but he ran to the back of the end zone in the middle of the field. The guy outside on the left just ran a quick out. So there was a huge window in the left side of the field where there was nobody there. Jamar Chase, as soon as he made eye contact with Joe Burrow, they, you know, they got that that timing with each other where they know where each other's gonna be and where he's gonna throw it. As soon as Jamar looked and saw Joe Burrow saw see him, he planted his foot in the ground and broke it off back to the offensive left where that gap in the defense was going to be. And Jamar Chase said after the game that that was the intentional play. They're like, oh, how'd you know to go there? He's like, that was my route. That's what I was supposed to do. So even though it looked like just a kind of an improvised, wow, that was just an amazing, you know, improv improvised play by you guys. Like, no, that was the design of the play. So a very well-designed play that they ran and practiced, you know, throughout the week. Good job, Isaac Taylor and Brian Callahan and the coaching staff, knowing that they could kind of use that chemistry between Jamar and Joe and use it on the goal line like that. It's hard to get open in the goal line because the space is so compressed. You're, the goal line is only 10 yards deep. So if they have the ball in the two-yard line, you've got the width of the field, but you only have 12 yards of distance. So the defense has less space they need to cover. It's hard to make plays to have a receiver get wide open like that in the end zone. So good job by the Bengals coaching staff on that one. After the Bengals kicked their extra point, they went up 7 to nothing. Cardinals got the ball with about seven minutes left to go in the first quarter. On their second drive, second and eight, they had one-on-one -on, -one on the left with Hollywood Brown was matched up against the Bengals cornerback number 29, Cam Taylor Britt. And it was just a go ball, basically, a, a deep fade. Hollywood Brown got a clean release. Cam Taylor Britt didn't really get a hand on him, didn't disrupt his release at all. Free release, and Hollywood Brown is a first-round pick. He's Antonio Brown's cousin, and he's got speed. That's his thing. He's not the big guy, but he's got quickness and speed. He ran right past. He had a step at least, maybe a step or two, on Cam Taylor Britt. If it had been a good pass from Josh Dobbs, the Cardinals quarterback, probably would have been an easy touchdown because I don't think Cam Taylor Britt would have been able to catch Hollywood Brown if he had caught it. But for the Cardinals, unfortunately, it was overthrown by about five yards. So bad pass from Josh Dobbs, missed opportunity from the Cardinals. Bengals were fortunate that the Cardinals weren't able to 
tie it up most likely on that play because what happened on the next play, third and eight, they tried to do a quick pass out to Rondale Moore in the right flat. DJ Turner, cornerback out of Michigan, number 20, comes up, stops him cold in his tracks, doesn't get anywhere. So a nice open field tackle by DJ Turner. One of the issues against the Titans was missed tackles. They had 12 missed tackles, gave up a lot of open field running, yards after catch. That was good to see, you know, another three and out by the Bengals defense. That's two three and outs to open the game, you know, outside of like getting a, an interception or a fumble or something like that. Making the other team punt the ball away to you is about as good as you can ask for from the defense. After the Cardinals punt, Trenton Irwin gets the return back all the way across the 50-yard line to the Cardinals 48. So a 28-yard return by Trenton Irwin. Bengals take over with just under six minutes left to go in the first quarter. Joe Burrow hits a pass to Trenton Irwin. Then he hits another pass on the left sideline for 19 yards on a deep out to Jamar Chase where Chase was lining up all over the field. On this play, he was the third receiver from the inside. So he had Tyler, no, it was Trent Irwin on the outside. Andre Yosevash was the number two. And then Jamar Chase was the inside of both those guys. Two guys on the outside basically ran clear out routes where they ran straight down the field and Jamar Chase ran the deep out behind them. So he ran behind those guys where nobody else was. Joe Burrow hit him on the deep out. He also hit Jamar Chase on... And underneath route where Jamar Chase kind of ran the Charlie Jones play against the Rams where he ran behind his own offensive lineman to the right opposite direction of Charlie Jones. The 11-yard game by Chase brought up first and goal at the 7. And so far on these opening drives, we got a lot of Jamar Chase and a lot of Trenton Irwin and some Joe Mixon. But those, those are the three primary guys we've been seeing getting the ball, touching the ball on these drives. First and goal... It was Joe Burrow's first incomplete pass of the day with three minutes and 14 seconds left to go in the first quarter. So Joe Burrow started off 10 for 10 passing. His 11th pass was his first incomplete pass. And it wasn't even that bad of a pass. It was just a little bit low and outside to Jamar Chase in the corner of the end zone. It looked like he got both hands on it, but he just wasn't able to squeeze it and complete the catch all the way through. So a little bit off, but... Still, you're thinking, wow, this is a great start from Joe Burrow. 10 for 10, you know, that's much better than he had looked in any of his previous games. Heading into this game, he had the lowest completion percentage or one of the lowest completion completion percentages of quarterbacks in the NFL. So the fact that he's already, you know, starting off very accurate, on time, in rhythm to all his receivers and they're catching the ball and not dropping it. That's the other thing we saw in some of the other games. It's not necessarily all on Joe Burrow. Some of his receivers needed to do a better job of catching the ball when it was in their hands. Everybody was doing a much better job today of throwing, catching, blocking. He was getting better pass protection from the offensive line in the backs up front. So he had time to throw on a lot of these. He wasn't holding the ball for two and a half seconds and throwing it as he was in some of the previous weeks. Now he was able to hold it a little bit longer, you know, three, three and a half, maybe even four seconds to let the play develop. On second down, Bengals completed a short pass to Irwin, but he didn't gain any yards. This went out of bounds for no gain. So on third and seven or third and goal, from the seven, Bro gets pressure off a left edge from Gardeck. He Gardeck, the Cardinals defensive end, beats Orlando Brown around the edge and gets pressure, but he's not able to sack Joe Bro. Then Joe Bro gets away. He sees another guy coming in. He does a 360 spin and jumps out of the tackle of this other guy. So this is the first time we've seen Joe Bro have to move and use any kind of athleticism and really test out that calf. 
that we were so nervous about in these past few weeks. The protection had been so good in the game so far. He hadn't really had to move or do anything. This was the first play we'd seen that. So he got away, did the spin move, got away from the second guy. You're like, oh, now Joe Burrow's going to find Jamar Chase and make something happen in the back of the end zone. He gets away. He dances out of the tackle. You're like, oh, here comes this Joe Burrow magic. He's about to make something happen. And then number 92 for the Cardinals, Kevin Strong, out of nowhere, just plants Joe Burrow flat on his back, straight in the ground. It's like, oh, you know, it's kind of the flat into the ground, real hard. Everybody, you know, gasps in the stadium. I'm sure watching at home, people are like, oh, no, is Joe Burrow hurt? Is he okay? He got flattened on the ground on that play. Not, you know, not the ending we we're expecting. So, you know, he got up. He was okay. He walked off the field. No problem. No problem with the calf. No problem with his head, back, any internal injuries. So he looked good. But that was the first time where you're kind of like, I had my heart in my throat. I was kind of peeking out from behind my fingers watching the game like, oh, no, Joe Bro, is he okay? Ah. It's going to be so stressful to watch. You know, hopefully as these games go on and like you said, his calf gets more healthy, I'll be able to relax a little bit and not constantly be worried that he's going to get hurt on every play. But I feel like I'm, you know, a parent or something watching their kid up in the stands playing where every play I'm kind of wincing and like, oh, no, Joe Bro, don't get hurt. Bengals have to settle for a field goal after that sack of Burrow. That makes it 10-0 Bengals up with a little bit over two minutes left to go in the first quarter. The Cardinals' offense was able to wake up offensively on their third drive. They were, The biggest play that got them down the field was they had a third and five at their own 43, and they completed an 18-yard pass to Hollywood Brown over the middle. He was running from right to left where it wasn't really a you know, you maybe call it a pick play or a rub play where he got some interference from his receivers. He came underneath, caught the ball, and was able to do a catch and run up the left sideline before Nick Scott tackled him out of bounds. But DJ Turner was trailing from behind, but he got, there was interference that DJ Turner got caught up in. He wasn't able to get across the field and make a play on the ball. That was a big play for the Cardinals. They were also using their tight ends. Jeff Swaim, Trey McBride were catching passes over the middle. The Bengals' defense actually held them to a third and nine at the 25, but then they had one-on-one man-to-man coverage with Jalen Davis on Hollywood Brown. And Hollywood Brown beat him on a slot fade over the top for a touchdown. Jalen Davis was completely beat. Clean release off the line of scrimmage and good throw by Josh Dobbs. So instead of completely overthrowing him like he did earlier down the left sideline, he hit this one for right on the money for a touchdown. Bengals got the ball for their third drive with about 12 and a half minutes left to go in the second quarter. First pass, the Bengals tried to go deep, but the Cardinals were all over it. They tried to, Bengals tried to cross Jamar Chase over the middle, and Cardinals read it. They picked him up, didn't have anywhere to go with the ball, so Burrow just threw it away. Second play was a run up the middle for Joe Mixon for four yards. Third and six, Bengals tried to go for a pass, but the Cardinals ran a twist stunt up the middle. Ted Karras and Travion Williams, the third down back, completely did not block this guy from the Cardinals. He, he just ran completely untouched up the middle. He came, you know, from the outside in, but Ted Karras went left. Travion Williams looked right. You know, it's easy for me to sit in my chair and on TV and say, oh, you guys should have seen this guy running right past you and into Joe Burrow. But, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. I understand that. But missed assignment by somebody there. They can't let a guy just runs straight to the middle, untouched at Joe Burrow and sacking for an eight-yard loss on third down. So the Bengals ended up having to punt. 
they got a decent punt from Brad Robbins, 59-yard punt, but then they got a 15-yard penalty for unnecessary roughness on Devin Harper, who they just signed from the Cowboys as a free agent off the practice squad. So this is like his second week on the team and probably first game that he's really getting any playing action in as special teams. Getting a 15-yard penalty is not the way to endear yourself to the new teammates. After that quick three and out by the Bengals, Cardinals take over at around midfield for their next drive. The biggest play for the Cardinals on this drive was the run by James Conner on second and 10. James Conner, who is second in the NFL coming into this game and rushing in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey of the 49ers, he broke off a 35-yard run to the right where he broke the containment of Cam Taylor Britt, who just kind of dove at his feet, didn't even get a piece of him, and then left his feet, which is the worst thing you can do as a defender. Don't, if like, unless it's at the goal line, don't just give up on the play and leave your feet. But anyway, he eventually got his knees cut out and chopped out of bounds by D.J. Turner and I think Logan Wilson down the field. But this was actually the last play that we saw of James Conner in the game. After this, he was out. And that was a big loss for the Cardinals because they're already down Kyler Murray. They're already down Buda Baker. So he was pretty much the third best player they had on their team. And losing him was a big loss. The Cardinals after this point, weren't quite the same team. But anyway, even without James Conner in the lineup, the Cardinals were able to finish off this drive with a tight end catch to the tight end Zach Ertz over the middle. They made the extra point. That put the Cardinals on top 14-10, to 10, so quite a swing in the game. Bengals had started off hot, forced two three and outs by the Cardinals and went up 10 points. All of a sudden, the Cardinals forced a three and out of their own, they score two touchdowns. They're up 14-10. So a big swing back and forth in this game. Bengals take over. They have a short run from Mixon. Incomplete pass to Chase. For some reason, they were just a little bit off. Chase was wide open in the middle of the field, and it looked like Burrow was expecting Chase to sit down and stop, and Chase was maybe still on the move a little bit, so it ended up being behind Chase. He couldn't. He only got one hand way behind him. He couldn't catch it. So that brought up third down and seven. They tried to hit a deep comeback to Andre Yosivash, and again, he was just a little bit off in the connection with his receiver. Joe Burrow was a little bit off in his connection with the receiver. The play right before this, he had been a little bit off with the connection to Chase. This one, Andre Yosivash was trying to run a deep comeback to the out, to the sideline, and I don't know if maybe Andre ran it a little bit too deep because it looked like it was a similar play with Chase in the end zone where Andre and Burrow looked like they made eye contact, and it was kind of a... Andre got a good release to the outside, and he had good p position on the defensive back where he could do pretty much anything he wanted to do. He could go deep, he could go stop, like back shoulder fade, come back, whatever he wanted to do. But he ran about four or five yards past the first down before he stopped and came back to the ball. So by the time he caught the ball on the sidelines, or tried to catch the ball on the sidelines, he was already about two yards past the first down marker. And what happened was he didn't have enough space on the sideline. He got he caught the ball in his hands and he got both of his feet down, touching the ground, but he was just an inch out of bounds for his second foot. It looked like he was dragging his toes, but just barely an inch out of bounds. And it was almost his first NFL catch and it would have been a big one on third down. I think maybe if he had broken off his route a little bit sooner instead of running four to five yards past the first down, maybe just run three, two or three yards past the first down 
And if he had caught it a little bit closer to the first down, he would have had more space along the sidelines to keep his feet in bounds. So I think that's one of the details that Troy Walters, the receivers coach for the Bengals, will work on with Andre and Joe. And they'll work on that. Just precise, you know, route running is so critical in these big moments. It's a game of inches. And just this, he was just out of bounds by that one inch. And just that little bit of running the route just a little bit too deep makes that angle carry him just that one half inch out of bounds. So if he brought it just a little bit shorter, think it would have been a catch. And he's a smart enough guy that he's going to get that figured out, no doubt. But unfortunately for the Bengals, that was another three and out punt. So they started off hot. Now they're kind of cooling off, only scoring 10 points, have to punt it away again. When the Cardinals got the ball back, they barely ran any time off the clock and went three and out. They had three incomplete passes in a row and punted the ball back to the Bengals. The Cardinals' first drive without James Conner did not find any success at all. They were looking for something. They had a rookie, undrafted rookie, DeMarcado was the guy who came in, and he ran okay, but, you know, he's an undrafted guy. He's not going to be, you know, in a replacement for a James Conner who is almost leading the league in rushing. Bengals took over around their 30-yard line with about seven minutes to go in the second quarter, and this was another methodical, efficient drive by Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense where he had a lot of passes to Trenton Irwin for six yards, Jamar Chase for eight yards, Jamar Chase again for eight yards. You know, Jamar Chase was racking up the catches throughout this half. They also had a nice amount of Joe Mixon. Not any huge explosive runs, but just knocking off, you know, five yards, six yards, five yards, six yards. And, you know, that's that's good for the offense. But also, if you watch some of these runs, Joe Mixon is just putting a shoulder straight into some of these defenders. And that adds up, you know, hits add up on you as a player, whether you're on offense or defense. So as a defender, getting hit by Joe Mixon, you know, when you're making the tackle, yeah, you're, you know, you're trying to hit Joe Mixon, but Joe Mixon is also hitting you. So when he's running for these five and six yard runs, he's running like straight into these guys. And you can tell like they're getting up and they're really not enjoying tackling Joe Mixon, even though Joe Mixon doesn't get the credit of like a Derrick Henry of being this type of big, physical, bruising, pounding running back. He's, you know, he's got almost as many yards or just as many yards now as Derrick Henry does. And he's just, you know, one step below Derrick Henry in terms of physical nature. Like guys don't want to tackle Derrick Henry. Guys don't want to tackle Joe Mixon either. They make business decisions tackling Joe Mixon. And I wouldn't want to tackle Joe Mixon either. But on this drive, the Bengals pretty much from the Cardinals 20-yard line on in. They just do Joe Mixon every play. Joe Mixon five yards. Joe Mixon five yards. Joe Mixon six yards. Joe Mixon three yards. They get it all the way down to the one-yard line, third and goal. They do Joe Mixon up the middle again. No gain. Fourth and goal at the one. They go back to the well. Joe Mixon again. He comes up six inches short, just short. You know, it's as close as you could possibly be to getting into the end zone without scoring a touchdown. And I like that call. You know, against the Titans, they had it on fourth and goal at the two. And, you know, it wasn't quite as close as the Bengals had in this game, but they kicked the field goal instead of going for it. And that was the only points they scored all day in that game. This time, okay, you know, they're down by four points already. So they need a touchdown at some point in the game. And kicking a field goal to go 14 to 13, you know, you're still losing the game at that point. So you really need a touchdown at that point. So I like the decision there to go for it, even though they didn't end up getting it. I like the aggressive call by Zach Taylor to 
have confidence in your defense to get a stop. And as it turned out, that's what happened because the Cardinals got the ball back at their own six-inch line. They ran a quarterback sneak just to get, you know, maybe a foot or a couple of feet out of the end zone so it's not an immediate safety just in case. But then their second play, they decided to change it up and go back into the shotgun formation where Josh Dobbs isn't under center. He's catching the ball into the end zone five yards already. And they tried to run a pass where it was just a quick slant to Hollywood Brown on the right side. But it looked like maybe the other receiver, Greg Dortch, number zero for the Cardinals, he probably ran the wrong route because they ended up having two receivers standing in the same spot, or basically the same spot. They were they were in the same window. And for an offense, that's a big no-no. You never want to have two receivers in the same position because that means that one guy could effectively guard two receivers. If you're a receiver and you find yourself next to somebody else, one of the receivers ran the wrong route if you have two guys standing right next to each other. So that's kind of what happened where Josh Dobbs was trying to throw it on the outside to Hollywood Brown, but the guy on the inside ran the wrong route. He thought the ball was coming for him for some reason. So he reached up his hands and tried to catch it and it got deflected off of the first receiver's hands and straight into the Bengals defensive back Cam Taylor Britt. It hit him pretty much right in the chest. All he had to do was stop, take about five steps into the end zone and it was a pick six. So he is like dancing and going crazy and after the game, he was acting like he's Deion Sanders making some kind of play on the ball where he was like, oh, you know, I read the quarterback and I read the rod and jumped in front of it and got the pick six. It's like, dude, uh, the ball got deflected straight into your chest. Like you, you were going to if if the ball didn't get deflected, it would have been an easy completion to Hollywood Brown. They would have got a first down. So I don't want to hear all of this like Cam Taylor Brett making amazing plays. He got lucky by getting hit in the ball with the chest and being in the right place at the right time and being able to run it back, you know, 10 yards for the touchdown. It was a big play. I don't want to dump all over him. But if you look at Cam Taylor Britt's game as a whole, outside of this one lucky pick six, he played a pretty terrible game. Like he got beat deep. He was missing tackles all over the place. It wasn't a great game. So, you know, whatever. Good play by Cam Taylor Britt. Got the pick six. It was his first interception in the regular season NFL game. It's his second year in the league, and it's his first pick, and it was a lucky one that hit him right in the hand, so congratulations. I know. I'm I'm a hater on Cam Taylor Britt. I'm a little bit salty recently because the Who Day chant, he always messes it up. He says, Who Day say going to beat them Bengals? Even after Ted Karras corrected him, they had Cam Taylor Britt in the video saying it wrong, so he can't even get the Who Day chant right on the video. That's why I'm mad at him. But also, we traded up to draft him in the third round, and he hasn't been that good so far. Tariq Willen, who played for the Seahawks, all-pro rookie last year, could have had him, but no, we got Cam Taylor Britt instead. And I think Zach Taylor likes him because he went to Nebraska. He's a corn husker, you know, he's a husker, he got husker pride. All this horse crap about Nebraska. I don't care anything about Nebraska. This I'm just going off on a tangent at this point. But the Cardinals get the ball after the Bengals kickoff with about a minute and a half left. They go three and out again where Logan Wilson probably should have had a another interception. The ball was right in his hands on third and four. He wasn't able to bring it in, kind of juggled it up three or four times in the air, and it fell to the ground. So the Cardinals ended up having to punt again. Bengals got the ball back with about a minute left to go in the second quarter, but they weren't able to move the ball and do anything. They got a couple passes, but then Joe Burrow got sacked. Another stunt up the middle right past Cordell Volson. 
they always show these slow motion replays of guys just running right past Cordell Volson, and he's kind of like just turning his head and watching them go by him as they sack Joe Burrow in the backfield. It's like, man, why? Whatever. But Bengals go into halftime up 17 to 14. It's still a close game, a little bit closer than we would have liked, definitely given the strong start the Bengals got off to 10 to nothing. As you know, you don't want to see the Cardinals come back and take the lead at any point in the game. So the fact that the Bengals going into halftime with the lead is good. And we know that the Bengals are going to get the ball after halftime because they kicked off first. Bengals got the ball to start the second half. They got it on their own, 25, ran a couple plays, short pass to Tyler Boyd, and run to Joe Mixon to pick up the first down. Bengals had it first and 10 at their own, 37. They hit a deep pass to Jamar Chase, probably the best pass of Joe Burrow's career, like deep pass-wise. It hit Jamar Chase perfectly in stride for the touchdown. Great play design by the Bengals coaches, great execution by the Bengals players. They said after the game they weren't sure, you know, Jamar Chase said maybe the coaches saw something at halftime because they came out right after halftime and ran this play. And it was a well-designed play. What happened, they had the Jamar Chase was lined up on the outside left, but he had a very tight split, meaning he was not spread out wide near the sideline. He was more lined up closer to the middle of the field. They had Tyler Boyd inside of him, and they had Trenton Irwin on the right side. Trenton Irwin and the Cardinals were supposed to be in cover two defense, basically, meaning that they have two deep safeties. One safety is supposed to cover the left deep half. The other safety covers the right deep half. On this play, Trent Irwin from the right side, he ran a deep hit or a deep curl, basically. He ran about 12 yards and stopped completely. Jamar Chase on the left side was running a deep post, which means he basically just took off sprinting straight down the middle of the field. He ran up vertically for about 10 yards just to make it seem like he could go out straight up, make his direction ambiguous. But after he got to about 10 yards, he broke his route off across to the center and middle of the field. What that did was the left deep safety was already on Jamar's left shoulder. He Jamar had the inside track, the inside path, and he's already running at top speed. So he ran right by the safety on the left, the right safety, because he saw Trenton Irwin run this curl, the deep right safety for the Cardinals completely stopped. He stayed at about 15 yards and let Jamar Chase run right behind him, right over his head. They threw the ball straight over top of the safety in the right side for a touchdown. That was a huge breakdown from the Cardinals defense of letting Jamar Chase just get completely behind your defense. You never want to do that. And that's the first time where we had seen Jamar and Joe connect on any of these deep routes all season. When Joe Burrow first threw this pass, my initial instinct was, oh, here comes another incomplete Joe Burrow deep pass. It's probably going to be overthrown or out of bounds or something like that. You know, he had not had any success all year. And then when I saw Jamar Chase running under it, I'm like, okay, you know, I see he's open. He's like three steps ahead of the other guy, but it maybe looks like it was going to be overthrown. And oh no, he's not going to catch it. And then, you know, it was just hit him perfectly. He had to reach out his hands. It wasn't underthrown at all. And he said afterwards, he came back to the huddle and Joe Burrow told him, yeah, I bet I didn't underthrow you on that one. Because a couple of years ago, there was a pass where he tried to, he threw it deep to Jamar, who was wide open. And he didn't really hit him directly in stride. Jamar had to wait just a little bit 
and that let the defender catch up to Jamar after he caught it and tackle him before he could run it in for a touchdown. This one was so far out in front of Jamar that he had to extend himself and reach out and grab it, almost like the touchdown, kind of just a similar ending to the touchdown that Jamar caught in Pittsburgh, where he just accelerated at the last second, burst out and reached out and snagged the back half of the football, it seemed like, right before he went out of the back of the end zone. This one wasn't quite to that level of extremeness, but he, he did an amazing job of reaching out over his shoulder. It was kind of like a baseball outfielder catching a ball. And, you know, inside that stadium, it's the ceiling is dark and then there's lights up in the, in the rafters. So it's hard to run down the field at top speed with a helmet and face mask on, bouncing all over your head, looking up into the lights, tracking this ball. The ball went 58 yards in the air. So it was the longest throw completed in Joe Burrow's career. So the calf not having any issues. And you know, Joe Burrow would never say this, but there was reporters asking him if his calf being hurt was affecting his deep ball and he wasn't able to throw it deep. You know, Joe Burrow was just thinking, yeah, like stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Stupid reporters asking me about my calf and the deep ball. Like there's a deep ball, have some. So the tide has kind of turned back in favor of the Bengals where they got up. The Bengals initially got off to that 10 point early lead. Then the Cardinals came back, scored 14 points unanswered to take a lead of their own. Now the Bengals have this pick six and this deep bomb touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. They're up 24 to 14 with about 13 and a half minutes left to go in the third quarter. So Bengals back up by 10 to score a lead. After the touchdown, Cardinals get the ball back and they make a drive of their own. They go, they get a couple first downs, one off of a Josh Dobbs push up the middle. They kind of do the Eagles short yardage, Jalen Hurge, brotherly, was it brotherly shove? Yeah, so they just kind of like everybody get up in the line of scrimmage, push up the middle. Eagles do one of those to the Bengals. They're successful on that. Get a couple other short passes to Rondell Moore and DeMarcado. But then kind of the big play on this drive, third and four. Bengals are not able to get home any pass rush to Josh Dobbs. He scrambles out to the right, finds a wide open Rondell Moore, who was guarded by Cam Taylor Britt 101. He got like a huge separation from Cam Taylor Britt and then... Cam Britt missed a tackle, so he got another like five or ten yards out of this. That set up the more missed tackles on Hollywood Brown by DJ Turner and Logan Wilson gave up another first down for the Cardinals, so they're driving it down. Cardinals end up scoring a touchdown on this drive where they broke it around the left end. For some reason, Trey Hendrickson was out of the game. They had Joseph Osai playing. Trey Hendrickson had kind of a turned ankle at one point in the game, but he came back in later. But on this play, Joseph Osai gave up contain. He got blocked by the tight end, and then they just ran around him. He missed the tackle. Logan Wilson wasn't able to get there in time to stop the running back before he got into the end zone. That was a touchdown for the Cardinals. However, they missed the extra point. Matt Prater, who's usually a reliable kicker, he's been in the league forever, he misses the extra point, so they don't get back within three points. They're still down by four are the Cardinals. So the Bengals are on top. 24 to 20 with about seven and a half minutes left to go in the third quarter. But it's definitely concerning to see all these missed tackles again from the Bengals this week. Like I mentioned against Tennessee last week, they had 10 or 12 missed tackles, depending on how you're counting. And usually the Bengals are one of the better tackling teams in the league. They maybe only get four or five missed tackles in a game. So to see, you know, three or four missed tackles in the same drive, 
is pretty concerning for the Bengals defense. They asked Zach Taylor about this after the game. Hey, Zach, we've seen some missed tackles from the defense. What are you going to do about it? And obviously, Zach Taylor doesn't know anything about defense. So he was like, well, you know, we just got to get in better positions and wrap up and do whatever you got to do to get them on the ground. And he went on to talk about how the Bengals don't ever practice tackling live in training camp. They practice tackling maybe two days out of the entire training camp. And during the regular season, they never practice tackling. He was like, oh, that's not what we're about. Now, I'm not saying they need to go out there and tackle each other every day. But they were asking, okay, well, if you never practice tackling during the regular season you don't drink during training camp how do you improve and he was like oh he basically gave a non-answer he may as well have said like I don't know because he's never tackled anybody in his entire life asking Zach Taylor how somebody should improve their tackling is like asking me how you should improve your French like I have no idea I've never spoken French so I'm the absolute wrong person to ask just like asking Zach Taylor anything about defense anyway Bengals take over again after the Cardinals touchdown they get it Another methodical drive where they're picking up first down after first down, pass to Jamar Chase. Then we saw Chase Brown even got a two-yard gain on a short catch out of the backfield. But hey, at least they're getting Chase Brown involved in the game and somebody who's not Travion Williams, but more on that later. Anyway, we got more Joe Mixon out of the backfield. He was picking up chunk yardage. It was before halftime I actually called that Jamar Chase was probably going to break the Bengals receiving record for a game because he already had seven catches before halftime and the Bengals record for a game is 13. Jamar had 12 catches in one of the previous games and that was one shy of the record and the coaches said if they had known the record was 13 they would have tried to get him more catches to get the record. So the fact that he was so already you know on pace for that record it was looking like today was going to be the day that he ended up breaking the record, and he did. Unfortunately, on this drive, things were looking good up until a point where Trenton Irwin looked like he got tripped by one of the linebackers. It was hard to tell whether it was intentional or not, but Trenton Irwin was running a route on the left side or not on the on the left side of the field up the seam, up to kind of the middle of the field, and one of the linebackers was dropping into his zone, got their legs tangled up. Possibly intentional. Anyway, Trent Irwin trips and falls. Because Irwin falls down, Cardinals safety number 22, Kayvon Wallace, is in perfect position to intercept the ball. Cardinals get the ball back, and they're only down by four points. So Cardinals are in prime opportunity to make this a game at that point. First play after the interception, the Cardinals come out with a little bit of a trick play. They split their quarterback out wide to the right like a wide receiver, and they have Rondell Moore lined up behind the center like he's the quarterback. So Rondell Moore is basically lined up in the shotgun like the quarterback. They put Hollywood Brown in motion, and he comes and runs behind the backfield like he's going to take the handoff around to the right. But Rondell Moore actually fakes the handoff to Hollywood, keeps the ball himself. It fakes out the Fox cameraman. It fakes out the Bengals' defense for sure. Rondell Moore is running up the left sidelines with nobody in sight. He ends up picking up about 40 yards before he gets pushed out of bounds by Logan Wilson and some other guys coming up from behind. But good play. I'm not sure what the Cardinals saw or maybe there was just something they, you know, some tendency they saw from the Bengals' defense. The Trey Hendrickson was up there and Jordan Battle was up there uh, on the on the right side that got beat so who knows but it was a good pickup for the Cardinals that's where the Cardinals luck on this drive kind of ran out they sputtered and got to a fourth and short 
where they're they instead of kicking the field goal because they were down by four points if they had been if they had made that extra point they probably would have just tried the field goal to tie the game here but because the cardinals were down by four they went for it on fourth and one from the 16 yard line and they ended up not getting it for some reason they ran a design run for josh dobbs the quarterback and it didn't really get blocked up i'm not sure what the blocking scheme was supposed to be but they didn't have everybody blocked and jermaine pratt was standing right where josh dobbs was trying to run so pretty easy tackle he made the you know a good open field tackle on him didn't let him get the first down before sam hubbard and dj reader and a couple other guys came in to help prevent josh dobbs from making that so the ball went over on downs back to the bengals offense huge stop by the bengals defense Bengals took the ball back at their own 17 and at this point there's just about a minute left to go a minute and a half left to go in the third quarter Bengals went on probably their best drive of the day it ended up being a 15 play drive that took nine minutes off the clock first couple plays were Joe Mixon running plays for four yards and seven yards to pick up a first down then on first and 10 from their own 28 we saw Joe Burrow make his first attempt at a scramble where he got a little pressure in the pocket, navigated where he, you know, he stepped to the left, stepped to the right, got away from the blitz, stepped up into the pocket, passed everybody, passed the line of scrimmage, and was able to scramble for about 11 yards for a first down before he slid down, you know, nice baseball slide. So that was good. He didn't, you know, it was not, it was kind of in between a normal Joe Burrow run. It looked like about 90, 95% Joe Burrow. So maybe he wasn't taking off 100%, but he looked way better than he had at any point in the season so far. After the run for the first down, Joe Burrow got up and gave his little trademark. Joe Mixon put the ball out in front of you to signal first down and then drop it like you're dropping the mic. So Joe Burrow was back feeling himself, typical Joe Burrow. That's what we love to see. On the very next play, it was a similar type of situation where Cardinals got a little bit of pressure on Joe Burrow, but he was able to step to the side, get away, step up in the pocket. This time, just as he was stepping up, somebody caught him by the foot from behind, and he just kind of tumbled forward and got a few extra yards, maybe four or five yards. But again, there were these were just some of the plays which would have been sacks for sure in previous games. In other games, he wasn't able to move off of that one point even a little bit. He was like a statue, basically like Peyton Manning. If you remember like old, late career Peyton Manning when he was with the Broncos, Denver Broncos, like he was not moving anywhere. He was catching the ball out of shotgun and throwing it. That's pretty much the way Joe Burrow has been operating. But at this point, Joe Burrow, and I noticed like, he was wearing the Air Force Ones in this game, so he was breaking out some new kicks. Maybe he was feeling a little bit more, and they were playing on grass. That's the other thing is, except for Cleveland, which was in the rain, the Bengals have played all their games on artificial turf because Pacor Stadium is artificial turf. And even though it looks like grass, in Tennessee, it's an artificial surface as well. So maybe the fact that they were on grass in Arizona was making Joe Burrow's calf feel a little bit better too. You never know. But the Bengals kept driving. Like I said, it was a 15-play drive, so it was a long, methodical drive. There weren't a whole lot of big chunk plays, just a lot of five yards from Joe Mixon, five yards to Travion Williams up the middle, you know, seven yards to Trenton Irwin. They had one 14-yard pass to Jamar Chase on the left side. 
Cardinals picked up a defensive pass interference penalty on Irv Smith Jr. in the end zone where the linebacker just kind of held him while Irv Smith was trying to go out on the route. So the Bengals got the ball first and goal at the one-yard line. They didn't get in with a Joe Mixon run up the middle. He actually lost two yards where the Cardinals just totally sold out on a run blitz. They didn't even worry about defending the pass. They just brought everybody up the middle to stop Joe Mixon because he was on the one-yard line, so you got to sell out there. Bengals got it at the three, so they had third and goal. This play was kind of similar to the first touchdown in that it was a short yardage goal line Joe Burrow scramble drill where he's scrambling out to the right a little bit, got a little pressure in his face. But unlike the first pass where it was like a designed scramble drill, this was more of a real scramble drill. And Joe Burrow had so much time back there, so credit to the offensive line and everybody blocking up front. But no credit goes to the Cardinals' defense and their safeties because they had basically three guys who were assigned to stop Jamar Chase from catching the ball. It was triple coverage, and none of them stopped him. Jamar just ran past all of them. I actually stopped watching Jamar Chase on the play because I saw two guys were guarding him. I was like, oh, well, he's he's covered, so Joe Burrow can't throw it to him. And then like a second later, he's throwing to Jamar Chase. I'm like, what is he doing? Oh, it's because he's wide open. These guys just let him run right by him. Like they were kind of looking behind them to see where he was or something. But he, another big breakdown by the Cardinals defense. You can't let Jamar Chase just run through the back of the end zone completely untouched and let him cut his third touchdown of the day. So he was doing all kinds of gritties. He was doing the Neon Dion dance in the end zone. Third touchdown. And after the game, I watched Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals head coach, in his press conference, what he had to say about this. And he was, because he's the defensive coordinator for the Eagles before he took over as the head coach of the Cardinals. So he's a defensive coach, defensive-minded coach, and he's supposed to be the leader of the defense, not just the leader of the team. And he was basically taking, you know, falling on his sword, taking the blame, saying, hey, I'm supposed to be the leader of the defense, and Jamar Chase, their best player, beat us. We should have known to cover Jamar Chase and we let him beat us. So that's my fault. I need to do a better job of coaching. He's never going to come out and say, like, the players that we have on defense aren't that good. And, you know, most of the guys on the Cardinals defense in their secondary were, you know, they're making, like, league minimum. They're making, like, less than a million dollars. They're making, you know, it's still a lot for you and me, but they're making $750,000, $800,000 for this season. So they're not, you know, elite star athletes back there who can cover Jamar Chase. I get that. So the coach for the Cardinals... He can't come out and be like, yeah, the guys on the team this year just aren't really that good. The Bengals players are better than my players, and I can't really do anything. But, you know, he just had to say, like, I just got to coach them up better, got to do a better job. And, you know, it makes me mad that we weren't able to shut down their best player because obviously that's the number one play you have to stop, and we can't let their best player beat us. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so credit to Jonathan Gannon for admitting that they didn't, stop Jamar Chase, and they let their best player beat them. After the Bengals kicked the extra point, that put them on top 31-20. to 20. And then when the Cardinals got the ball back, their first play, Trey Hendrickson, the Bengals' defensive edge, number 91, he beat DJ Humphreys, the Cardinals' big money left tackle, beat him around the edge, got a strip sack fumble on Josh Dobbs. So, Trey Hendrickson won with the speed, as he usually does, came around, swatted the ball out of Josh Dobbs' hand. It was recovered by Sam Hubbard for the Bengals, so the Bengals get the ball back right away after scoring. 
Bengals got the ball down to about the 17, and it looked like Tyler Boyd had a nice touchdown catch where he broke a couple tackles and dove into the end zone. But that touchdown was wiped out by a penalty on Alex Kappa, illegal use of hands to the face. And obviously he was disagreeing with it. It looked like a tough call, kind of on the borderline of having his hands around the neck and the face and the face mask. You know, kind of a touchy call, but they called it, so the touchdown was wiped off the board. Bengals ended up having to settle for a field goal, so it was 34-20. to 20. And that was pretty much the end of the interesting things that happened in this game. There was about six and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, but after that, the Cardinals got the ball back down 14. They ended up going for it on fourth and two, and it was intercepted by Jermaine Pratt like 20 yards down the field, and then Jermaine Pratt looked like he injured his shoulder. Jermaine Pratt has a tendency to intercept passes on fourth down when he doesn't need to. Like, in the Raiders playoff game, it was fourth down. He Jermaine Pratt intercepted the pass from Derek Carr, and the Bengals took over, like, inside their own 10-yard line. It would have been better in that scenario for Jermaine Pratt to not catch the ball just let it be incomplete so that the Bengals would take over on offense where the opponent had previously held the ball. If you catch the ball and intercept it, then your offense comes back and has to take over wherever you catch it. So in this fourth down against the Cardinals, Jermaine Pratt caught the ball 20 yards down the field and then rolled out of bounds. So the Bengals had to take over on offense 20 yards further away than it would have been if he would have dropped the pass, basically. So it's a good for the stats, like it looks good for Jermaine Pratt that he got an interception, but for the team, it would have been better if he would have just let it fall on the ground and not injure his shoulder at the same time. But actually, there were a couple other things interesting that happened in this game. After Jermaine Pratt inter intercepted the ball, Bengals took over around midfield. They ran a couple plays, got to third and one. And at this point, there's about five, four minutes left to go in the game in the fourth quarter. They're up by two touchdowns, third and one. Basically, if they get a first down, the game is over pretty much. They're, you know, they're going to get a new set of downs. They're going to be able to run out the clock. Cardinals are going to have to use up all their timeouts, and the game will be over at that point. So third and one, it would be really good if they could convert and pick up a first down. We see Joe Burrow come up to the line of scrimmage. They've got Travion Williams in the backfield lined up next to Joe Burrow in the shotgun, three wide receivers, and Joe Burrow makes a audible, or he says, can, 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 meaning cancel whatever the first play we were going to run was, and we're going to run the backup play, the second play, secondary play. So whatever we had, we're switching plays, we're going to run the other play, basically. And you see this all over the league. Every team does this. They call two plays in the huddle. First play doesn't work, run the second play. On this play, the third and one, after Joe Burrow does the can-can, they snap the ball, Joe Burrow takes it, hands it, tries to give it to Travion Williams, tries to shove it into Travion's arms. Travion is having none of it. He does not want the ball. He's looking to pass block. He thinks it's a pass play. So Joe Burrow is standing there with the ball. He ends up having to try to like run and escape himself, ends up getting sacked and losing like six yards on the play. 
he gets up and he's just screaming at Travion Williams like, what are you doing? I called the audible. You're supposed to take the handoff and run the ball on third and one. And he's just screaming at Travion. And Travion's like, oh, man, F. You know, like, you know, he he's like pounding his chest like, my bad, my bad. Like, obviously, it's your bad. Everybody in the whole stadium knows Joe Burrow is standing there trying to give you the football. And if you're a running back, that's like the ultimate sin because you need to know as a running back, you need to like getting the ball. That's supposed to be your entire job is running with the ball and gaining yards. If you don't even know what the play is and the quarterback's trying to stand there and give you the ball and you won't even take it from him, you can't play in the game then. They need to get Travion out, put in Chase Brown, Chris Evans, anybody else who would want to take a handoff from Joe Burrow in a critical moment in the game. Now, at this point, they were up by 14 or up by two touchdowns. So it wasn't really that big of a mistake. It didn't end up, you know, biting them, coming back to haunt them. But if this had been like, you know, a one-score game or even a tie game where this this was, you know, really important, this could have been a huge blunder by Travion. He is going to have to get in his playbook, figure out what he needs to do, all his assignments, no missed assignments anymore from Travion, or he is not going to get any snaps. Because you just can't do that. Like, your teammates, and especially Joe Burrow, needs to have trust that you're going to do your assignment, do your job, do what you're supposed to do. If you're the running back and you don't know that the ball is coming to you and you're supposed to take it and run with it, you can't even get in the game. So Travion, like I said, he needs to figure it out quick or he is going to be sitting on the bench. Anyway, Cardinals, they didn't do anything with it on their last drive. Give it back to the Bengals. The only thing the Bengals did interesting was they threw a audible quick pass to Kwame Lasseter, got a short gain. That was just interesting because that was his first catch in the NFL. And like we mentioned, his dad played his career with the Cardinals as a defensive back. So just kind of a special moment, acknowledgement of, hey, you know, this is special homecoming for you to get your first catch here would probably mean a lot to you as a player and your family. I'm sure Kwame Lasseter's family was probably up in the stands. So just a nice, you know, heartwarming moment to have as a team and as a moment for that player and his family. And that speaks to Zach Taylor and the rest of the coaching staff's character to be aware of that, to try to make a point of emphasis to make sure he gets the ball. And Joe Burrow was aware of trying to get the ball to Kwame because I'm sure he was aware of that too. So good moment for the whole team. That's where the Bengals close it out. They get the win 34 to 20 over the Cardinals. Bengals improve to two and three. Cardinals drop to one and four. We said this was a must-win game, and it's only week five. Dave Lapham, for some reason, the Bengals color commentator, and he's like 70 years old. Get Dave Lapham out of there. But anyway, he was in the locker room asking all the players and coaches, oh, did you guys hear that the Steelers beat the Ravens? Oh, did you know? They're like, no, we didn't know because we didn't care because it's only week five. The standings have no impact on what we're going to do out there in the game. Like, I don't know why he was like so in awe of the fact that none of the players, he thought he was like breaking big news, dropping a surprise on him. Like, oh, hey, check it out, guys. The Ravens lost as if the Bengals players care what the Ravens record is at this point at all. Like they just need to worry about winning games. It doesn't matter what the Ravens or the Steelers or the Browns are doing. It's only week five. There's still 12 more games to go after this and they haven't even played the Steelers once yet. So it doesn't matter what the standings are. The Bengals just needed to get in the win column. They need to stop losing games, get more wins and the rest will take care of itself. You know, if they beat the Steelers and beat the Ravens and beat the Browns. It doesn't matter what the rest of the teams do when they're not playing. All you need to worry about is yourself and winning football games. 
So far, the Bengals are still far behind expectations. Going into this season, my expectation with a healthy Joe Burrow and everybody else on the roster was maybe something like 12-5, and five, win the AFC North, go back to the playoffs, another AFC championship, all that good stuff. If they're going to only have five losses and they've already got three losses, that means that for my prediction to come true, they would only be able to lose two more games out of the 12 remaining. So if that's true, they're going to have to go on a quite a hot streak. It's probably going to be more, you know, somewhere along so hopefully like a 10 and seven if we're lucky, but first they got to get back to 500 and just get back into winning territory before we can get to 10 or 11 wins. So in terms of expectations, this game against the Bengals and the Cardinals was more like a return to what we would expect out of these two teams. Bengals looking strong, Cardinals looking not as strong. In terms of overall team statistics, the Bengals had 27 first downs to the Cardinals 15. So almost twice as many first downs for the Bengals. They had 19 passing first downs, seven running first downs, and one from penalty. Again, twice as many passing first downs for the Bengals than the Cardinals. And just overall, if you look at the two quarterbacks, their performances, Joe Burrow was much better than Josh Dobbs in this game. Joe Burrow got sacked a few times, but he didn't have too many turnovers. He had the one turnover where Trenton Irwin fell down on the route. Other than that, he maybe had one other pass that was kind of in one of the defender's hands, could have been intercepted. Could have been a turnover-worthy play a couple of times for Joe Burrow, but overall, Joe Burrow was 36 for 46 for 317 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Josh Dobbs was only 15 of 32, so less than 50% completion rate, 166 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions for Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs also had three sacks, so if you... Look at the quarterback rating numbers. Joe Burrow had a 108. Josh Dobbs had a 57.6. And then the ESPN QBR rating, which is a 0 zero to 100 scale of overall quarterback play, including rushing yards and all that kind of stuff. Joe Burrow has a 65 grade. Josh Dobbs has a 9.4 grade. So not a good grade in terms of the quarterback rating from ESPN for Josh Dobbs. And some of that's the turnovers, he had the fumbles, the interceptions, the sacks, all of that combined, and you know, all the incomplete passes that you know he was below 50% passing. So Bengals clearly had the advantage in terms of quarterback play. And Josh Dobbs had played pretty well up until that point in the season. He had been a 70% passer, 70% completion in his passing. Now he was below 50%. So a huge drop-off. Credit to Luke Anarumo and his defense again. Credit to Trey Hendrickson disrupting the backfield, getting another two and a half sacks, causing fumbles, causing pressure to make Josh Dobbs have to throw early or inaccurately throw the ball away. So Jermaine Pratt had another 10 tackles, two for loss, and that interception, even though he didn't really need to intercept it. Logan Wilson had nine tackles, a few missed tackles, but overall the two middle linebackers were the leading tacklers for the Bengals pretty good sign as you know I, I prefer that as opposed to Dax Hill Nick Scott and some of the defensive backs having to make all the tackles but the big story of the game was Jamar Chase in his day that he had he had 15 catches which was a Bengals franchise record breaking the record of Carl Pickens 13 
Jamar also had 192 yards for an average of 12.8 yards per catch, three touchdowns, and a long of 63. And that was all on 19 targets from Joe Burrow. So of Joe Burrow's 46 passes, 19 were to Jamar Chase. And he caught 15 of them. Only four were incomplete. And when I think about those, off the top of my head, most of those were just bad passes from Joe Burrow. Like, they were behind him, over his head, just a little bit inaccurate. If he had gotten just a little bit better passes on some of those, Jamar Chase probably would have had about 17 or 18 catches and maybe four touchdowns and 200 yards. But hey, you know, franchise record will take it. Another big performance was from Trenton Irwin, number 16, the wide receiver from Stanford. He had eight catches on 10 targets for 60 yards, no touchdowns, long of 13, and his average was seven and a half yards per catch. So he's more of the possession type receiver, but he does have athleticism. We've seen it on the punt returns from Trenton Irwin. Just a matter of getting him out in the open field maybe and breaking some tackles, but he's got the hands, you know. People are going to hate me for saying this probably, but this is the first game of the season without T. Higgins in the lineup. And the Cardinals are not a good opponent. They're an inferior opponent. And Joe Burrow was much healthier than he had been in terms of his calf and moving around, making throws, accurate throws on time, all that. But you can't really argue that the results with Trenton Irwin and Andre Yosivash in the lineup were better than they have been with T. Higgins in the lineup. Like, Trent Irwin had eight catches on 10 targets. T. Higgins had a couple touchdowns in the game against the Ravens, but he's also had a few games where, against the Browns, he had no catches on eight targets. And then last week, he had two catches on eight targets with a couple of bad drops where he just hit him straight in the hands and he dropped it. So, and part of it is the injury. Like, he can't do anything about having fractured ribs. He can just wait until they heal and come back as soon as possible and be as good as he can. But part of it is if you're not on the field, you're not producing. And especially if the other guys are playing well, playing better than you or having better results than you did when you were in the game, that doesn't make a very good case for you to get a new contract. Like, hey, you guys really need me even though my replacements are doing better than me. Like, why would the Bengals really need to pay up for a guy who's injured all the time, dropping passes all the time, and we've got, you know, rookie, like, six-round and undrafted guys who are putting up the same or better numbers. I'm not saying these guys are T. Higgins. T. Higgins obviously has physical gifts and abilities that these guys just can't do. So T. Higgins is a special, rare talent. they got to do everything they can to keep him around. I'm just saying, in this particular game, the results were a little bit better. And part of that is because Andre Yosivash and Trenton Irwin, they were just better blockers on the edge for Jamar Chase. When he was catching these short bubble screens and short hitches for Joe Mixon also, like the receivers were just doing a much better job of blocking than T. Higgins. T. Higgins is good at catching, but blocking is not one of his strong suits. And he's he's kind of a taller, lankier receiver, so maybe he's not like doesn't have the quickness to to mirror and shadow the defensive backs as well to block them. But that was just one of the things where I noticed where the receivers, Irwin and Yosivash, were making much better blocks than T. Higgins was. Tyler Boyd kind of acted in a similar role of Trenton Irwin, possession receiver. He had six catches on seven targets for 39 yards, long of 14. 
We did also see Andre Yosivash make a catch, kind of a juggling catch. It was questionable whether or not he got possession before he got both feet inbounds, but it looked like it was a good catch. So he, Andre Yosifash got his first official catch in the NFL. Kwame Lasseter got his first catch in the NFL. Chase Brown got a catch. So the, the catches were spread out between the receivers and the running backs. But one thing that is important to notice is none of Joe Burrow's 46 passing attempts went to any of the tight ends. So no Drew Sample, no Mitch Wilcox. There was the one pass to Irv Smith in the end zone that got called back because of the defensive pass interference penalty. Irv Smith probably wasn't going to catch that anyway. But that is a good sign because the Bengals have been lamenting all season about how their third down efficiency has been terrible. They weren't able to convert a lot of third downs. And if they go back and look, a lot of the players who were getting the ball on third down were tight ends and Travion Williams, people who can't make anything happen with the ball in their hands. So that's why I was much happier this week that the ball was going to people like Jamar Chase and Trenton Irwin and Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, people who are playmakers who could actually do something when they have the ball in their hands and not just wasting these plays, giving it to Drew Sample on third and ten. You know, that's not what these guys are good at. And so that's what the Bengals did. They still had them in the game sometimes on third down. Like, they have to have somebody in the game. But they didn't even go out for a pass. They weren't even an option. It was more of, what can you guys do to set up Jamar Chase for success? I think that's kind of what the Bengals changed in their philosophy. Maybe it was because T. Higgins was going to be out for this game. So they were just focusing more on making a game plan around highlighting Jamar Chase. And that speaks to Jamar Chase's fitness and conditioning level. Also, if you watch, he was running all over the field, going in motion, pass routes, and he never came out of the game. So he's got to be in peak physical condition to run all over the field and stay in shape and do that without getting super tired. But also, it felt like a lot of the game plan was how do we get Jamar Chase the ball in space and let him just move with it? It felt like kind of how the Los Angeles Rams have been just feeding the ball to Puka Nakua, where I think it was his first or second game, he got 17 catches. You know, if a guy gets 17 catches, the defense, after like catch number 10, you think they're catching on and like, they, they oh yeah, like this guy's getting the ball a lot. We should probably pay attention to him. But if the offense is good enough, it doesn't matter because you can just make plays, design plays, where even if the defense does want to take away your star receiver, you can design around it and get away with it. So it doesn't matter what the defense does. Jamar Chase is getting the ball no matter what. And that's what the Bengals did in this game. They just basically had the other players, the other receivers, weren't. they were running routes, but they were like decoys. Everybody else on the field was pretty much a decoy or just running interference to get Jamar Chase open. And I feel like that's a much more effective style of offense because Jamar Chase is the best player. They need the ball in his hands. Like, Last week, he only got the targeted nine times. And I said, that's not nearly enough. Jamar Chase needs at least 10 or 12 touches of the ball every game. So the fact that he got 19 targets, you know, they, hey, good job, Bengals coaches. You're listening to me. Maybe one of the biggest stats in this game was the turnovers. The Bengals only committed one turnover, which was the interception from Joe Burrow, where it wasn't really his fault. Receiver kind of slipped down. So that was their one turnover. On the other hand, the Cardinals had two interceptions, lost the fumble, 
and they turned the ball over on fourth and one. So that's another turnover if you count it. So basically four turnovers to the Bengals one. So the Bengals were plus three basically in the turnover margin. That's a great way you get, you know, three extra possessions, three extra opportunities to score points on the other team. That's the one thing that Joe Burrow has done well overall throughout the entire season. Even when he was injured, he wasn't turning the ball over, making a lot of interceptions and fumbles and critical errors that would completely ruin the Bengals' chances. He was, Even though he wasn't playing his best, he was at least doing his best to keep the game close. Coming away from this game, like I said, it feels like, okay, now we're back on the right track back towards expectations. The Bengals are the much better team than the Cardinals. Everything's right back to where it belongs, it seems. It's going to be another big test when the Seattle Seahawks come in to Paycor Stadium for week six to take on the Bengals. But we'll have plenty of time to preview that in our next episode, episode 16. Overall, this is a much better performance by the Bengals. Joe Burrow looked much better than he had all year. He looked the best physically he had, and he played his best that he had all season. Jamar Chase, we knew he was a beast. He had said he's always open. It was just a matter of the Bengals' offense being able to get him the ball effectively. So we saw that. That was a great sign. I don't want to call this game a big win, like... The expectation was always that they were going to beat the Cardinals. So just fulfilling and meeting expectations. It doesn't quite feel the same as when you get like blown out and the expectation was at least to beat the team or at least stay close and you get completely destroyed. It feels worse somehow when the Bengals lose a game that they were supposed to win as opposed to winning a game that they were supposed to win. So there's somehow, you know, the expectations get set up for a disappointment. This one, it still feels good. So just remember, like, even though the Cardinals are not good, we still have to remember that winning a game in the NFL is hard. We have to appreciate every win. Don't take any for granted. So even though it's only win number two, let's celebrate this one for this week. And then we'll come back next episode with the preview for the Seahawks. And they're going to have another full week to prepare for the Seahawks. Now the Seahawks have been on a bye, so they've actually had two weeks to prepare for the Bengals. But when the Bengals were going into Tennessee, it was a short week because they had played on Monday night. So they only had six weeks to get ready and recover for the Titans. So that was, you know, a little bit of downtime. Maybe that was part of the reason why they weren't able to play up to what we would expect. This week they had a full seven days to plan out and get ready for the Cardinals. So maybe that helped them. We'll have to see who has the advantage against the Seahawks. Before we go, I'll just remind you to subscribe, turn on notifications, give me a rating, thumbs up, all that kind of business. Not promoting a show. I'm not putting out any ads. I'm not asking for any donations. I'm not doing anything. Share it around with your friends. Tell your friends about it, and maybe we can grow the listener base going forward. Until next time, I'm going to leave you with a who day and stay hungry for more Bengal Bites. (music) 